podcast, Let the Prophets Speak. This is Isaiah 19a, and this is Saul Weiner of the host of this podcast. In this chapter 19, Isaiah delivers the Masa, the burden of Egypt. As we have been discussing in the previous chapters, with each nation that Ishayahu, Isaiah, has turned his attention to, there was a message to that nation regarding their moral failings. In addition, it was at least to some extent a burden, a masa, on the people of Judah to teach that message to their neighbors, both by living those values them, excuse me, themselves and by teaching these values to those people that surrounded them. In this way, the people of Judah bore some level of responsibility for the failures of the peoples that they could have influenced. This burden of Egypt, however, is very different from the others. <coughs> I have spent quite some time researching and thinking about this chapter, and I have not fully understood this chapter to my satisfaction despite studying the commentaries and the verses. I will therefore leave some open questions as we study this together, and if you have any ideas, please feel free to comment and let me know what you think. Let me put out there some of the unusual characteristics of this burden, actually three of them, and after you hear all of the the podcasts on chapter 19, I would really like to know what you think about them. Number one, Isaiah clearly attacks the intensely polytheistic philosophies which dominated Egypt at the time, and indeed throughout its ancient history. However, he does not seem to directly point out a moral or social failure of the Egyptian people like he did with Babylon regarding disrespect for, for human dignity, Moab regarding disrespect for uh, refugees and people that sought, um, sought help from Moab and Aram and the Northern Kingdom, where he had direct social criticisms of those people. In Egypt, he seems to be directing his, his um, criticisms at their philosophy, at their, the failures of their polytheistic philosophy. Question number two, Isaiah never predicts the complete destruction and termination of the kingdom of Egypt like he does in, with the other nations. Rather, he prophesizes that Egypt will eventually turn to the one God and abandon, it, and abandon its idols. For some reason, Isaiah felt that Egypt would eventually turn to God, while the other nations were going to suffer complete destruction of their cultures and societies. Number three, Ishayahu predicts that there will be an idyllic time in the future when there will be a triple alliance between Assyria, Judah, and Egypt, in which they will all worship together the one true God. It seems that this prophecy never has yet been fulfilled. At least the commentaries struggle to find some fulfillment of this prophecy. But, at least in my opinion, they don't seem to find an answer that really satisfies the reader as to when exactly this happened, or will it happen, for that matter. With these questions, I want you now to go ahead and study this burden, and maybe many of you can suggest some solutions to these issues or some ideas that might shed light on these subjects. In the podcast today, we will read just the first four verses and try our best to develop an understanding of the message that Ishayahu, Isaiah, is trying to teach us. Masa Mitzrayim, the burden of Egypt. Hine Adonai rochev al-ov kal uva Mitzrayim. Behold, God is riding upon a swift cloud or a light cloud, and he comes to Egypt. And when God comes to Egypt, 
Presumably this means the idea of God, the idea of one God, the idea of monotheism comes to Egypt, all of the gods, the many, many gods of Egypt will start to shake from in fear, in awe of the one God. <clears throat> and the hearts of the people of Egypt will melt. One would imagine that it would be extremely difficult for the Egyptian people to come to grips with the truth of God, with coming before them in a, in a place where they were full of ideas about so many different gods. I may not be an Egyptologist, but anyone that knows anything about Egyptian history knows about the many, many, many gods that Egypt worshipped. And I will incite Egyptians against Egyptians, and man will fight against their brother, and man against their friends, ear by ear, one city against another city, one kingdom against another kingdom. Presumably this kingdom would mean like a state or a province. The, the coming of God and the unsettling of, of this polytheistic of philosophy will lead to civil strife, Isaiah tells them. Because polytheism, a system that has many conflicting philosophies, and unfortunately even monotheism, when everyone believes that their truth in this God, or their belief in monotheism, is better than their neighbors, leads automatically to strife. Millions have died in wars over such nonsensical arguments, over religious beliefs. The God of Isaiah, the one true God, leads to harmony and peace among peoples, not infighting in wars. This lesson is clear from Yeshayahu as he criticizes what is perhaps one of the most polytheistic nations of his time, Egypt. Remember that the one true God of Yeshayahu is one of justice and righteousness. The understanding that we were all in this together and we are all responsible for one another. The belief in such a God leads to peace. Yeshayahu never advocates violence in the name of God. On the contrary, he always advocates faith in God which results in justice and righteousness and people treating each other with respect. But the polytheism of Egypt will lead to civil strife, and that's what Yeshayahu is teaching here. It will lead to one fighting against another, man against brother, man against friend, each town against the other town. My God is better than your God. My province is better than yours. My, everything mine is yours is better, is better than yours. And what will happen? Egypt will be drained of spirit. From within it, their, their, all their energy, all their spirit will be drained. And its ideas, I will mess up, I will ruin, I will swallow. What God says, I, through, I, through his prophet, the, the, all the ideas that, that, back, that back up all of these gods, the philosophies, I'm going to ruin them and wreck them, God says with this idea of monotheism. And what will people then do? What will the Egyptians then do? Instead, at first, instead of turning to God, immediately they're going to go to their familiar places and try to find something. They're going to turn to whom? They're going to turn to the idols, the demons, the necromancers, the spirits. That's what they're going to turn to. Because that's what they're used to. That's what they had believed in. They're going to start turning to all of these places, but they're not going to find the truth. They're just not going to find it. And what will I do then, God says? 
The people are fighting against each other. Their belief systems are being destroyed. They're searching for something. They're fighting with each other. What will There's strife between city and city and so on. I will place the Egyptians at the mercy of a strong, harsh leadership. And a cruel master, a cruel king will rule over them. The true one master, God himself, says that I will put them in the hands of someone cruel, a cruel dictator. My sense in this verse is that when there's strife among people and too much infighting, it tends to lead to a situation where a harsh and cruel dictator can come in and take over. People will look to this person as if he and his system of government, as if they will restore order. We find this in history in so many places when countries were convulsed with revolutions, such as the Russian Revolution or the French Revolution. The result in many of these cases was often a return to a cruel, harsh dictatorship because the people seem to want something stable. They bring about a sense of stability. Although often and usually, in almost all cases, that dictator is a harsh and cruel leader who takes advantage of this and rules the people in an evil way. This seems to be what God is telling the Egyptians through the prophet here. As a result of the civil strife and the lack of unity that came from their polytheism, that came from their lack of unity, they will end up with the cruel leader. Now, exactly who this leader may be is historically a matter up for debate. The commentaries bring various examples from the leader of Assyria and to others. No real satisfactory answer that I have found. I will conclude here 19a. I'm looking forward to studying with you the continuation of chapter 19 and the burden of Egypt as we continue to explore Isaiah's treatment of the polytheism of the Egyptians and the eventual return of Egypt to the ethical monotheism that Ishayahu is trying to preach and teach to them. Thank you so much for joining us in this podcast.